Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Howlin' Hoops podcast. As always, I'm Kyle Edwards, and joining me, as always, is my partner in crime, Mr. Thomas Smith. We, uh, we've got a couple games here from... We've been gone for a few weeks, so we want to get you guys caught up on a couple games from the from the pack, and we want to go through and make sure that you know you guys are well informed of what kind of went down uh, these last few games as we kind of look forward to the new games as well. Thomas, you got anything to say to the people? Uh, hey, everybody, how y'all doing? Um, you know, we had um tough loss in these last three games um i'm sure me and you have plenty of things to say about it but um yeah i mean looking forward to it yeah we know we know a few people that are uh, not not thrilled with with our team but i know i know we can find a way to bounce back and make sure that we have a successful rest of the year i know i know we've had a couple hiccups but hopefully we'll we'll turn it around and hopefully prove those doubters wrong. And I, and I know, you know who you are. (laughs) So let's get into this. So, I mean, not a whole lot of bright spots, obviously in this Ole Miss 20 point blowout loss. Uh, It was a little bit ugly, you know, three of 25 from the three point line, 59% free throw shooting, 32% field goal percentage, not, not strong numbers that you want to see from the Wolfpack squad, especially getting beat in the turnover category. Just looked like we weren't very comfortable to kind of start the game. And it just looked like we couldn't get anything going, couldn't get a rhythm, couldn't get, couldn't get comfortable. And it ended up forcing us to go back to what I think was old Keat style basketball and just jacking up threes to kind of get back into the game. And I know from previous years that that really hasn't worked in Keats's favor. So this was just another instance I feel like where we just tried to resort to something that we felt comfortable with and it ended up being the wrong thing to get comfortable with and kind of, we just never, Never got back after after ourselves in a hole for sure. Yeah, I mean, they definitely, Ole Miss definitely surprised me with how, you know, how physical they were, how disruptive they were on the defensive end. I mean, they're still, you got to look at it, they're still an undefeated team. They're 10-0. Although they have only been in close games other than us, other than against us. Um, But they just beat a very good Memphis team. Currently 61 in the net. I mean, that's a quad one, quad one loss. So it's not something that we're too terribly upset about. I mean, my biggest frustration from the game was it had everything to do with DJ Burns. Oh my goodness. That was probably the worst game I've seen him play as that was, that was pretty bad. That was pretty I mean, bad. Offensively, defensively, you name it. I mean, he's just terrible. I mean. Defensively giving up wide open dunks, uh, and some of it wasn't his fault. I thought that you know some of it came down to Keats's decision to keep him in the games, played twenty seven minutes. I thought, I mean, Middlebrooks was our offense in the first half. I mean, he, what he scored like ten straight at one point. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he kept sure. us in the game. I just didn't understand why Keats felt. I mean, obviously, there is the need to play one of your better players, but it, it just felt like from the jump that it was just a complete mismatch. I mean, um, even when they went small, when you thought, okay, DJ should dominate on the offensive end, he, he wasn't efficient. And I mean, defensively, Jamin Brakefield, when they went small, I mean, he dominated us. He had 25 points. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just think Keech got completely outcoached that night and they seemed to flip the game script on us completely of how we like to play, you know? Exactly. And part of that, you know, that this could just be the way I saw it, but it almost looked like there was no, I feel like in most games that we play, we play with a sense of urgency and that evening, you know, while also getting out coached, we didn't look like a team that had that sense of urgency to go play hard and at least act like, you know, we wanted to compete, you know, obviously teams are not going to, you know, we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to, we're not going to win every single game. They'll, we'll have off nights here and there, you know, we'll not shoot well. That happens. I'm not upset about that, but I feel like the body language the it almost looked like it was not, it just wasn't there. And it, the lack of urgency that we had on the court, I was more upset with because it just, there's no excuse for not playing with any urgency, especially, especially in the, the play style that Keats draws up for us. It's like, that's, you need that sense of urgency. You need that aggression. You need the attack at all times mentality. And it just did not look like we came out with that and we got beat at our own game. Yep, I mean, we had 13 turnovers to their seven. We we cannot allow teams to do that to us because we are an inefficient offense, especially when DJ's not shooting the ball well. We are very inefficient, or at least have been this year so far. Um, you know, we struggle to score at times, but if we're not able to create turnovers and get easy possessions, like it, it, it's going to be tough to win. Um, but I mean, it's always going to be tough to win. I mean, one, one thing I also was kind of interesting that you brought up in our kind of game analysis of like what to look forward to in our, in our last podcast about Ole Miss is that they get, they get to the basket. They want to get points in the paint. They want to get to the free throw line and, you know, they, they got 20 attempts in the free throw line and they shot 85%. From the free throw line and granted we did outscore them in points in the paint but we also committed a lot more turnovers and I think it was really interesting how they I mean like we have said before they they truly beat us at who we wanted to be in that game and we ended up on the on the losing end of it and we got I wouldn't say exposed in that game, but it definitely was a wake up call coming off of a pretty close loss to BYU the week before having a couple days to try to regroup. It was, it, it, it made me upset seeing that type of play after a really close, pretty competitive loss against BYU a few days prior. 
and it was it was really it was really frustrating for sure but yeah get de into it definitely frustrating but again like i said earlier i mean still it's a quad one loss i mean we have two quad one losses on the year and i mean i expect all miss to climb even further up i mean they looked good against us they did and, yeah. and but the, the thing about it is is that eventually we're going to have to win a game like this against a quality team like you can't go into the tournament with a resume with no quad one or quad two wins you're not you will not make it and if that is our goal which it should be then we we got to figure it out somehow we can't can't keep losing these type of games you only get so many opportunities Mm -hmm. And you can't keep beating, you know, the cupcake teams and expect to find a way into the tournament. And that's why year after year, when we don't schedule good competition, except for maybe one or two games before ACC play, that hurts our chances. Well, to we've got three, three so far this year. Or, three or so far this year. But I'm saying like on an average, you know, we probably yeah. only get about two to three before we actually get into ACC play. And so... You know, it, it de depends from year to year, but it's still I still don't like that, that we're just, you know, trying to get as many wins as we can. That way, it's like we're almost setting ourselves up for, you know, failure in a sense where it's not prepping us to actually play good competition in the ACC because, yeah. you know, in Clemson, you know, Clemson, they're they've been on the rise the last couple of years. They're nine and oh already. You know they're they're going to be a a powerhouse in the ACC for at least this year and maybe even a couple mm. years down the road as well. No, they're losing a bunch. They'll lose a bunch this year. They'll have to get some really good portal guys to to keep it up. I think. But um, so one thing about the scheduling that you're talking about is I would love for us to go play at UNCW to go play at App State. I mean, both those teams have had a really good start to the year. I mean, UNCW beat um Kentucky. And um, App State just beat Auburn. So right. those wouldn't necessarily be good for our tournament resumes, but I feel like they would be good for our team's growth because they, the, the rivalry aspect of it. I mean, I, I playing on the road at those environments would be very good for us instead of playing – instead of playing – um, UT Martin at home or playing uh, we played Detroit Mercy at home or you know like even in that even as like an exhibition game instead of playing Mount Olive let's go on the road to UNCW I know Keats could get that happening with uh oh gosh I'm liking on his name yeah the Kyle Siddle uh-huh yeah coach Siddle I mean I just think it would it would be beneficial it would be. It would be like playing playing a couple of those CAA teams instead of a bunch of these, you know, instead of, you know, the Mount Olives and all those guys, you know, yeah. playing, playing decent D1 level teams in bigger conferences that are still able to get players to come play there, you know, whether through transfer portals or, you know, right out of right out of high school, you know, those those teams actually can get good players to play there and 
if we can challenge ourselves to go play at some of these places or even even sometimes bring them into our house just to get better competition it's going to help us so much better in the long run mm -hmm. and we just don't do enough of that unlike these other power five teams like how uconn played unc the other day you know well some of that comes from playing in these you know random that's true mm -hmm. well i mean in Toronto the played uconn in the the jimmy v classic which mm -hmm. we should always be in but what do i know <laughs> yeah um, that that does not make a lick of sense why we weren't playing in that that's fine. <laughs> All right, brother. All right. Well, enough of us worrying about that game. Let's uh, we can move on to the Boston College game, which was a, in all honesty, in, I think a very gritty OT win against a decent Boston College team. They looked they looked pretty good, and I really. We had a lot of balanced scoring, which I think is so crucial for our team to have balanced scoring. Because obviously in the game, in the Ole Miss game, we didn't have, obviously nobody really had a good game there. But when we have decent games where we have all of our starters, plus maybe a bench guy or two scoring and finding ways to score, it allows us to have so much more freedom to be able to find an open man or swing the ball and run an offense and make sure we're not just, you know, dribble, 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 shoot at the end of the shot clock, like we've mentioned before. Yeah. Um, you know, we did a good job offensively. How I mean, still not didn't really shoot the ball great. We did shoot the ball pretty well from the three point line. Actually, yeah. I would call I would call shooting from the three point line great. Free throw line great. Um, dude, DJ Burns is frustrating the <laughs> crap out of me these those last two games. Oh my <laughs> lord! Oh, I wrote that down too, man. I was I was so so bummed. Nineteen shot attempts and only seventeen points. And I know in the last episode I talked about how we needed to get him the ball to maybe force post since this is a foul trouble, make him defend down low, tire him out, which I think did have some effect on post's game. I mean, he only, I mean, he still had 18 points, but for his standard seven to 16 is bad. Um, oh, it is bad. I mean, we didn't for, we didn't allow him to score until, until six the second, minutes yeah. left in the second half. So that in in itself was a huge win, like we had talked about previous in the last podcast. We make somebody else beat us. And I mean, Jane Zachary and Claudio Harris, I mean, had decent games, both inefficient scoring the ball. I mean, mm -hmm. Zachary got to the line a ton, but I mean, that that's what I thought we should have done, you know, and having uh Diara back, which is something I didn't mention that we forgot to mention about the Ole Miss game would say he's still uh nursing that ankle injury. I mean, having sure. him back made such a difference on the offensive end and the defensive end. I mean, he hit a huge three in the, in the overtime. Huge three. Huge three. And I mean, 18 rebounds, that's 
that's insane. Yeah, having 18 rebounds but not even scoring much is, you know, that's something that is so valuable to us because that doesn't, you know, because he can hit that random three here and there, but he's obviously not going to be the primary scorer, but he provides so much value in other ways. He prevented, you know, Quentin Post from getting a lot of second and third chance opportunities off of defense, like off of defensive rebounds. And that was part of the reason I think we were able to keep our distance from Boston college as much as we did before, you know, giving up, you know, points here and there, but I felt like we shouldn't have let it go to overtime. Um, you know, second half defense wasn't great. Um, there was a bunch of straight line drives. Um, and, but one thing that I will say about defense, which was something I was not expecting was that Keats did not have burns on uh post, which I think, what's another reason why he way post wasn't as effective. And this is something that I'm pretty sure I talked about in the last episode was that having DJ off the ball on those non-shooters, um, McLaughlin was, he was on most of the night. Um, it allowed us to have more pressure up on the pick and roll and be more disruptive, which led to or first turn more forced turnovers. You know, it, it's just something that, he needs to take into account more often, you know, what matchups benefit us versus what don't, even if it's at the expense of a better player is what I'm trying to say. Truthfully, at at this point, you know, we've gotten eight or so games under our belt. How much time do we give Keats to, you know, enough leeway time to say, oh, I'm, you know, we're still figuring each other out, you know, because it's a whole new guys, you know, we're still figuring out team chemistry. Like how much time do we really give him before we're like, you need to have this figured out? Well, I think that the chemistry thing is something that'll get better as the year progresses. And especially I mean, I don't want to talk about it right now, but because it's more important to the next game. But, uh, you know, MJ Rice getting back into the fold or getting into the fold is another variable to this equation, basically. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I'm as frustrated as the next guy about how Keats has handled this team, even though we've only we only have two losses, both to quality opponents. Uh, sure. Um one on the road and one on a neutral site. It's it'll be more telling when we get into the thick of ACC play, how we stack up basically. Um, but yeah, I mean, tough win on the road against the Boston, a well-coached Boston college team. And it's a game that we tagged as a must win game. Cause you gotta, all these ACC games, if we want to go to the next level, which would be, you know, pushing for that top four spot, getting that top four spot to get the double buy in the ACC tournament, or, you know, pushing for an NCAA bid. We have to win the games against the bottom half of the conference. And yeah, like you said about the last game is we do have bad games. And I felt like we didn't play particularly well, and we still won on the road. 
Yeah, I think I, I definitely think so. I think we we definitely could have played better against Boston College. And like you mentioned, you know, losing the turnover battle and giving up easy buckets, kind of keeping them back in the game. Mm-hmm. Defenses will break down. That's part of basketball sometimes. You know, we'll have a few plays here and there. Well, where, you know, a guy doesn't, you know, shift over or, you know, guard his yeah. Things like th- little ticky communication stuff like that. Yeah, yeah miscommun- miscommunication, little ticky tacky things happen. But it's it's, I can't. I mean, it's great to have a a road win against ACC play, making sure that we get get that get that first ACC win. You know, make sure that we get comfortable with that feeling that way we can say, okay, we didn't play particularly well, but we went into a decently well-coached Boston college team. Let's get this win. And now let's use that win, get better as this year progresses, as we get into ACC play and make sure that we start cleaning a few things up, making sure that we have better chemistry as we get into 2024 because we get we start right off with Notre Dame and so yeah obviously they're gonna they might be towards the bottom of the ACC this year but if we can get that early another early ACC win against that bottom tier team that's gonna bode well for our confidence heading into our next opponents, which I think Carolina and Virginia, Virginia will be next after them. And then Carolina will be not too far after them. So getting, getting that momentum, getting the confidence, getting chemistry is going to be the main focus in these next couple games as we transition into ACC more ACC play for sure. Well, I think I spoke a little too soon on calling Boston college a bottom I guess they technically are bottom half, but they're bottom um, half now because I think just because they're technically zero and one in the ACC. Well, no, I'm saying um, like in terms of, yeah, I know that they're zero and one, but bottom half, as in, I guess I was referring to their team last year, you know. Um, oh. But but um, you know, looking at the net rankings, I didn't realize this. Boston College is eighty one in the net rankings right now, so they're on the cusp of becoming a quad one win for us if they keep playing well. They have to that's if they get above seventy five, that's a quad one win, and that that looks great on the tournament resume. Even though I don't think Boston College should be deserving of a of us being of it being a quad one win for us, but I'll take it nonetheless. No, oh, I mean you know, fingers crossed that Boston College plays well. Please don't score silver. <laughs> well, Please. even still, I mean a quad two win still looks good. True, true, true. We just don't want them going a complete fall off and then it being like a quad three or something like that. Yeah. Insane. We'll see. But I mean, just looking at the like the net rankings, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We have seven in the top sixty and ten in the top a hundred. So I mean, other than Florida State. Georgia Tech, Notre Dame, and Louisville. I mean, we're looking at quad one opportunities all over the place, especially on the road. So, like I said, winning a game on the road, that's huge. 
That's huge. Yeah, we needed that for sure. Anything else you got for Boston College or you want to move on to Maryland? Maryland, Maryland Eastern Shore. I feel like we, yeah. Yeah. So Maryland Eastern Shore, Heritage Game. I wish I would have gone. I wasn't able to get a ticket, but such is life, you know. Yeah. Um, but I mean, well, MJ Rice, man, I've been saying it since the second episode. That guy is the real deal. Only played 10 minutes, 11.6 rebounds. He showed, he checked off literally every box that I, that I've been talking about. You know, he is the most really talented did. player on the roster. He is the most talented player on our roster. And I mean, his ability to create his own shot, which is something that I've been saying we've been lacking. It showed, I mean, the three that he made was just a, you know, pull up three. There was, I mean, it wasn't a great shot, but just his, his shot making ability. And then his athletic ability. Oh my goodness. He's exciting. He is. He is so exciting. And it, it's, was reassuring and great to see him getting a few minutes here and there in a game like this to start to get comfortable and now these next few games before the end of the year and we move into 2024, you know, we'll give him more, we'll hopefully start to give him more and more minutes as he starts to, de you know, develop his chemistry with all the other teammates on the floor, making sure that he, you know, is comfortable. And if we can get him that right as we're moving into, you know, January 3rd, I mean, we're – he is going to be somebody that is, I mean, where people are probably just going to just their jaws will just drop to the floor and then how amazing this guy is. Oh yeah. I mean, I hopefully would like to see him around the 15 to 20 minute mark in our next game and then don't have him on a minute restriction for the following game against Tennessee. But I mean, we'll see, you know, Keats, Keats will Keats, I guess. Keats will Keats. And I know that's, <laughs> that's, that is the story of our season, man. It's just Keats is going to Keats. Yep. It's it's tough. One but, thing, I guess in these last three games, something I've kind of looked at and part of what I've watched and looking at the box score is, you know, Michael O'Connell, he had a decent start to the season. But for some reason, like I, I'm going back to like my old ways where I'm, I'm, I'm just not sold on him again. I mean, he he seems like the kind of guy who is a little bit of a hit or miss. Like there's been a couple games this year where he's looked, you know, phenomenal, or he's you know he's got like four or five assists. He's distributing the ball well. He's He's making steals on the defensive side. He's an aggressive player, and I do like his aggression. But then in one, and then in another game, he'll have maybe an assist, but then he'll turn the ball over three times in a row. And then, like, he won't see the floor for another, you know, 20 minutes. So, for me, I'm hoping that he starts to get in more of a rhythm. I feel like he is one of the guys that still hasn't quite
gotten comfortable with his role on the team. Granted, he is getting minutes. He is like almost that sixth or seventh man that comes into the game every single game. So it's not like he's not getting any minutes, but I mean, just sometimes the decision-making, the passes that he's throwing, it it's frustrating because I know that he can be better than that. But for some reason, he just shows like, but that he just doesn't know how to throw a, a throw a pass or he'll, doesn't know how to dribble for a minute. And then two, two plays later, he'll drive all the way to the basket and make a tough layup. So he's got my head, you know, he's spinning in a bajillion different places. Cause I don't know what's going to happen every time he touches the ball now. Yeah. Um, the turnovers are a little, are kind of concerning to me as well, but I mean, I, I feel like he, does a better job than at, at some things than what Taylor and Horn do. Um, when he gets the ball, he is looking to push every single time he gets the ball. He's looking to, you know, push the tempo up the pace, which is leading to some of his, his mistakes. But I think he does a lot of things that don't show up in the box score. Um, he is a really good on-ball defender. A really good on-ball defender. Yeah, and I, I he love. He stays I in front of his man. Defense. I love his defense. Um, but yeah, I mean, he has lately, especially, been losing some minutes to LJ. Um, which I'm not. I mean, LJ is a quality player as well, but I think if O'Connell, instead of you know, looking for. I feel like some of his, his like misses on offense have been just like forcing up some threes where he could, you know, take a go for a one dribble pull up in the mid range. He seems to be a little more effective or, you know, just forcing the action by getting to the rim and then looking for his teammates instead of, you know, going to the basket, getting a shot blocked or something like that. He can find other ways to impact the game, you know, not just the box score stats. That's true. That's true. He, I will say he, he knows, I think he knows his role that he is not the one through four option to shoot the ball when he's on the floor. He is the guy to facilitate to the Jaden Taylor, to the, Casey Morsell to the DJ Horn even and to DJ Burns. And so obviously I think he knows his role really well as far as that goes. It's just sometimes his decision making is it it's questionable at times where he, you know, because he is so aggressive on that defensive end, I don't think he he sometimes doesn't understand that he's got to maybe take it into a different gear when he's maybe pushing the ball, but don't push it at 110%, push it at 85%, but under control. And then, you know, keep that, keep those eyes up and finding open shooters, which, you know, he has done well in some games. And I, and I think it's not just him. I think other players on our team, like, like DJ Horn and even Jaden Taylor, they do a really good job of keeping their eyes down court and, getting those buckets in transition no matter what it is. Yeah, and 
you know, it's the first game in a while that I've been uh, happy with DJ Burns' performance. Um, <laughs> um, on a game where he absolutely, you know, should have dominated yes. on every aspect. <laughs> yes. He had the size advantage over every single player in this game. So he should have been efficient, which he should have been efficient in the other two games. Because other than, I mean, Ole Miss and Sharp, and I guess Post was bigger than him. But, I mean, anywhere from 50 to 60%, if he's shooting like that, I'm fine with. But it's when he drops below that 50%, I'm like, is it is it really worth it giving the big man the ball every single time down the floor? But, um, yeah, I mean, we've got to see better or similar things to this from him going forward if we're going to see any success. Yeah, I mean his his efficiency is a big part of you know who he is and what he was last year, and if he could translate that into this year as well. I mean, for him, I mean, there's no maybe I'm putting him too high on a pedestal, but there's no reason that he shouldn't be inefficient almost ever. I mean, I'm not saying he should be perfect, but for how big he is and how soft of a touch he has and, and his the footwork presence that he has and is yes. And his footwork, shouldn't you be efficient 90% of the time? Yeah, definitely. And that's part of my frustration because I mean, he is a liability on the defensive end. It's just how it is, and unless he's facing a guy like a a pure post, you know, not not Quint post, but like a pure post scorer, mm-hmm. like a I don't know, like a Baycott, he's not a, he's a liability on defense, and um, yeah, if he's a liability on offense, not shooting the ball efficiency, why is he in the game? Type thing. Um, and it's not like last year where, I mean, our backup center was A.B. Dewana. It's Diara or Middlebrooks who have shown flashes of, you know, being quality scorers and not a liability on defense. No, they are very good presences on, on the defensive end. They are long, lanky, but they're also a, much quicker than D.J. is. Yeah, and on the perimeter. Slide their feet and make sure that they are there to – contest and force a difficult shot yeah they're able to on the pick and roll hedge off the off the screen and get back to a pick and pop versus like a bc with post or clemson with pj hall you know we're going to play bigs who are able to shoot the three and he has to improve at that and Speaking of that, we're about to get into a segment where we talk about uh, we're facing a shooting big, but um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Three three games. We got UT Martin on Tuesday, which is, you know, we're recording this on Monday, so it's tomorrow. We got them at home. First home game in a while. Should be a should be a good one, you know. Besides the heritage game, obviously, but then we have uh, Tennessee 
and then we will then be playing St. Louis on the 20th of December. So UT Martin, this should be a very, very easy win. They're obviously a quad four game. So there's no reason that we shouldn't be covering the spread, which I believe is at 17 and a half as of right now. So we should be taking care of business. There's no reason for us to keep this close by any means. We need to make sure that I think one of our big keys to the game is to make sure that we force turnovers, turnovers, and a, a few more turnovers, I think, because that's our bread and butter as the Wolfpack this year, especially. We When we force people into making bad decisions on the offensive end, it's easy transition buckets time and time and time again. And that's how we kind of keep people – that's how we take care of business against certain opponents is we forced so many turnovers that they just – by that time they've dug themselves in such a big hole they can't come back and they kind of lose their rhythm and they they really have to fight their way back to make sure that they even come anywhere close. So that's going to be a big thing I think for – tomorrow is just making sure that we put the game away early and then just keep our foot on the gases. Yeah. Um, I mean, they average about double the amount of turnovers and losses compared to wins. Um, and some, and all almost, I mean, a lot of that comes from their point guard, um, Jordan Sears. He leads them in points and assists, uh, 19 points a game, four and a half assists a game, but he also averages about four turnovers a game. And he, has the ball in his hands like at all times when they're on offense um he's a good three-point shooter 48 percent from three so you really really have to focus on not allowing him to find any type of rhythm um i watched a little bit of their game against mississippi state um which was like compa- i would say mississippi state is comparable to us um they might be a little bit better but nonetheless you know they really were active um, on the pick and roll against this guy, not letting him get uh, easy rhythm threes off of it. Um, and they were also able to create a bunch of turnovers off the, off the pick and roll, intercepting passes, um, just blitzing him basically. Um, and I'd expect probably Jane Taylor would be on him. He's a little bit quicker on the defensive end than uh, DJ Horn, but uh I mean, we'll see. Um, and then they've also got um, a bigger guard, Jacob Cruz, six foot eight, averaging 17 points, and he leads them in rebounding uh, about nine a game, shoots a ton of threes. I mean, they, these two guys shoot a ton of threes. Um, J- uh, Cruz averages about seven a game, shooting 42%. Um, and th- I mean, this is key. Like, if Keats allows MJ Rice to guard this guy. I I, I think it would be perfect. I mean, they're both. I feel like MJ matches up with him physically. He's not going to be able to bully him under the basket because he's he's. I mean, six foot eight is a little bit tall for probably Casey, but I I would love to see MJ Rice um show his his defensive ability and but I I like I said I don't expect him to play more than 
15 or 20 minutes. And I would probably expect either DR, uh, probably DR on him, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, it would be really nice if MJ got got those types of minutes tomorrow and provided a good matchup to any of those guys. I think one thing we definitely emphasize kind of in our previous previous analysis is that you know our defense needs to especially in this game this is a good warm-up game as far as making sure that there's no miscommunication on the defensive end because we cannot let these guys get open three-pointers and that's going to be a big I hope that's a big emphasis with Keats you know going into this game to make sure that that all starts in a game like this where we're supposed to win by a lot, you know, that way it preps us to not have those silly miscommunications when it comes to bigger opponents like in the ACC or even Tennessee, which we'll get into in a minute. Yeah. Along with the, you know, limiting what goes along with limiting Sears is what I was mentioning earlier with DJ is that he's gotta be somewhat different effective on on the pick and roll and it's just been atrocious that if we allow sears to just get into a rhythm and shoot a bunch of threes off the pick and roll when our guards can't get over the top um we could be in for a closer game but what dj takes is what what we get with dj on the offensive end you know they their tallest guy is is Cruz who's listed as a guard. So I, I do not expect him to be on DJ. So if DJ has got a six, seven guy on him, he should be able to just, just back him down and be really efficient at the rim. But along what goes along with that is like our guards need to be more aggressive going to the basket because there's not a ton of rim protection, you know? Yeah. I mean, DJ, we're praying that, you find that efficiency tomorrow night. I mean, we need, we need you to get some good mojo and, you know, take care of business. You know, nobody's going to be able to guard you. So get your buckets and stay out of foul trouble. Please, please, please. For the love of all that is holy in this world, (laughs) please DJ, I'm begging you on my hands and knees metaphorically, but (laughs) Yeah, I mean it. It a twenty plus one would be a barometer for a good win for us. Yeah, we need it. All right. Uh, do you want to go into Tennessee? I know you got a lot of a lot of stuff you want to say on that. So <laughs> yeah, I've got a lot of take notes it away. About take it away, T. Um, so Tennessee, another big game opportunity for us. Um, in the Hall of Fame Showcase in San Antonio, it's a neutral size game. They're ranked 12th nationally and 10th in the net. So it's a definite quad one game. They're currently six and three on the year, but all losses came to top three, top 10 teams. Um, Kansas, Purdue, and UNC. Again, I'll say it once. I'll say it twice. I'll say it three times. I'll say it a hundred times. We'll say it to infinity. I want MJ Rice on the court for 20 to 30 minutes. He needs more minutes. And this would be perfect for us because this team, Tennessee, 
they have one big man. He is a, a seven footer, but other than that, it's a bunch of guards and a bunch of wings. So I I would love, I mean, it were I would love for our starting lineup to be Horn, Taylor, Marcel, Rice, and Burns, but I would love to also see a lineup of Horn, Taylor, Marcel, Rice, and Diara, where mm-hmm. we're super uh what am I trying to say? We're super we could switch basically. We could switch mm-hmm. on defense. We're um yeah, super versatile. Versatile. There we go. That's what there I'm trying go. to think of. There you We're go. We're super versatile on the defensive end where we can switch, we can, you know, stay with the amount of wings and guards that this Tennessee team has. And for them, it all starts with uh Dalton Connect. Um, he is their go-to scorer. Averaging 19 points, um, shooting 49% for the field, 39% for three. He led them in scoring in eight of their eight of their nine games, including a 37-point explosion in a loss to UNC. Um I I couldn't find a single flaw in his game to say this is what we need to do to stop him. Um, but I think that we match up pretty well with him you know having either casey or mj on him i think we just need to make it tough for him if we if we could have him shoot you know six for 14 five for 15 somewhere in that range i'm, I'm feeling pretty good um and yeah i mean then you move on to josiah jordan james uh 6'6 224 pound guard really physical which is why I think that MJ Rice would be good because he matches up with that physicality. Right, him and like that. Him and Casey both can. And having the ability to switch when just having the ability to switch so you're not having mismatches. Because I think have if Burns somehow gets switched on to connect or gets switched on to uh, Josiah Jordan James, like he, he's just he can't do anything. Um, and then their seven footer that I mentioned er- earlier, uh, Jonas Adu, um, local guy from Durham, he averages 10 points, seven rebounds, but he wants to do almost all of his work inside of 15 feet, um, which benefits us, which is what I was saying earlier about, um, you know, not having a big that can shoot benefits DJ. Um, so that should be good, but, and getting him in foul trouble also would be really big for us because like I said, he's like their only big, the others are both freshmen who I just would get eaten alive by DJ. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. And then Santiago Vescovi shooter. He is the epitome of a shooter. Um, but he can also pass the ball pretty well. Uh, realistically, all we need to do with him is just not allow him to get rhythm shots and just be disrupted on him before the catch because he's shown he, he can take over the game, basically. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is a game where we have to limit their top guys. We cannot allow connect to go for 30 we can't allow 
uh, Josiah Jordan James to get 20 on us. Like we have to get stops because they're a really good defensive team as well. So if, if we're not being the most efficient offense, then we have to get stops. And that starts Mm -hmm. with those two guys basically. Yeah. Yeah. I would totally agree with that. And you know, what's funny, what's funny is like, I'm thinking about it now, but I feel like it's Vescovy has been on this Tennessee team for, it feels like forever almost. I remember five years. Yeah. Just he'd been on this team for so long. I mean, he, I mean, he, he is definitely there. The guy that is going to be the quarterback of that offense. And he is going, well, you know, no, actually people though. He has taken a back seat this year. You know, in the years past, he's been the guy. That's true. In years past, he has been. Um, but this year they've got um Sakai Ziegler, another guy who uh he leads them in assists. He's uh just basically a pure point guard. I I I didn't mention him on the sheet, but and they have six guys who all play 20 plus minutes. Um, and then Jordan Ganey, their sixth man, third in the third on the team in scoring. And yeah, Vescovy only averages about eight a game. Whereas last year he averaged 13 the year before he averaged 13. So yeah, he's taken a little bit of a backseat, but like I said, his ability to shoot the three he can take over the game. He it, it's not like he he's no slouch, man. Yeah, he, no, he's a good player. And for him to be no their slouch. their fifth leading scorer is insane. But yeah, anyway. yeah, they have I feel like they also have a decently balanced attack, at least in some of the some of the games that I've seen. They they have a lot of guys that can I think they have Three or four guys have averaging double figures. Yeah, right they're, they're at they're at four. Vescovy averages eight. Um, but I'm pretty sure he had one game this year already where he had like 21. Yeah, you know, against Kansas, he scored 21, five of eleven from three. Good lord. I mean, yeah, like they are a oh gosh, video just started playing in my headset, but um. it's kansas or highlights of the tennessee started playing i was like what the heck scared me but um yeah i mean they've got six guys like i said who play significant minutes can all score probably all lead them in scoring even though i said uh connect uh has led them in scoring in nine out of ten or eight out of nine um but yeah they're they are a good team they they are deserving of their 12th ranking nationally um and if we somehow come out of here with a win that will go a long long way come march yeah we'll need it for sure i would definitely say that we need to make sure that we win that the rebounding battle for sure i think in all three of their losses they they haven't they were not efficient on the glass and so if we can you know limit their opportunities and force them to you know take tough shots to where they're not able to get second and third chances that's going to be i think a big key for us to be successful in this game and that's 
we have won rebound battles in the last couple games. I think we run, we, what's funny enough is I think we even won the rebound battle against Ole Miss, even though we got blown out, but I think we won the rebound battle against Boston college barely and, you know, snuck out a win. So if we can win that rebound battle, that's going to be, you know, that it'll go a long way into hoping into us hoping to be successful in that game and you know yeah yeah definitely because that goes back to the fact that i mean their offense is it's good averaging about 80 points a game while only giving up about 68 they're a good defensive team and if we can limit the amount of second chance opportunities they have and also give us second chance opportunities uh because if we don't have second chance opportunities, we are going to have to make shots. We're going to have to make a bunch of shots or else it's going to be a rough game, you know? Um, and, you know, defensively, we haven't shown the ability to consistently get stops against quality teams, um, especially when they're not turning the ball over, which Tennessee doesn't do a lot of. So winning that battle on the defensive end or on both ends will be very vital to us getting a win yeah well and we'll see how that plays out it should be an interesting game i think it's at 10 o'clock at night though which is a late one it'll be fine it'll be all right it'll be good um all right so you know we'll move on to st louis you know the game we've got after the tennessee game uh they're six and five on the year in the past they've they have been a pretty tough team a tough opponent um, right now they're 220th in the net ranking. So for us, it'll be a quad four game. Um, we definitely, you know, they're very similar to, to us in the fact that they have 11 guys that play 10 plus minutes. So they have a lot of guys that, you know, they rotate constantly and, you know, figure out different rotations, different lineups, despite only having a few threats that we need to worry about on the offensive side. I think, you know, obviously, you know, the spread hasn't come out yet, but I'm I'm thinking it's going to be for us. If we handle our business, it'll be a 15 to 20 point victory in our favor Um, for especially for tournament hopes we need this is another must win game we 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 got to take care of business at home it's vital that we do you know obviously we can't overlook st louis just because of how good they've been in the past and they've been they've been a solid team and giving people a lot of fits but we need to make sure that we take care of business and that that all starts with you know making sure that dj burns again becomes efficient you know he's gonna be having that size advantage on every single player on their team so as we get get that ball inside to him early get him buckets show them that they're not going to be able to fully guard him and then as soon as they double him he'll find an open shooter i mean it's we need to hit that early in order for our success in order to you know make sure we take care of business that game yeah, and the Billikens are most likely going to be without their leading scorer, Sincere Parker. Um, he suffered a broken foot about a month ago, so yeah, I I don't expect him to play um, 
four weeks after a broken foot. Um, but who knows? Who knows? I mean, um, so other players to watch, uh, Gibson, Jimerson, a six foot five guard who ever since Parker went down is averaging about 20 points from about 16 shots per game. He's not really the most efficient, um, but he is the focal point of their offense. I know one game he scored 28. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's looking to shoot the ball a ton. That's what he does. Um, and then the next guy, Terrence Hargrove Jr., 6'5 forward, who averages about 14 points a game, leaves them and rebounding at about six per. Another quality scorer that shoots sufficiently from all three levels. I would expect probably, I mean, love for this guy to be guarded by MJ Rice, but I would assume it's going to be Casey um, Gibson, probably going to be guarded by one of our smaller guards, um, whether it be Horn or Taylor. Um, but yeah, I mean, the tallest guy on their team on St. Louis is is seven foot, but I'm pretty sure he's listed at like. 205 so dj's got about 80 pounds on him and even still they're only averaging about a block a game as a team which is terrible (laughs) terrible so bad so so bad i mean our not only dj but all of our guards need to be looking to get to the basket get to free throw line get easy points easy baskets whether it's for the free throw line or just to make it a layup um but yeah, and, and we talked about it earlier. I mean, I mean, this kind of, this is something that we should be looking to do every game, dominating the glass. Um, because when we're inefficient, we need more shot opportunities to score. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I agree with you what you're saying about 15 to 20 points. Point win would be a good barometer for us, whether it's a quality win or not. Um, and and another thing that I would like for us to do is is have a end-to-end win you know mm-hmm. i felt like the maryland Eastern shore game we hung around we ended up winning by 30 but i felt like it it, it was too close for too long i'd yeah, love to see like, us get up early get up 10 15 make maybe 20 by half and sustain it you know because this is a team that we should beat we should absolutely beat Especially with them, with them without sincere Parker. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, but yeah, that Maryland Eastern Shore game. It was definitely like we held on to like a twelve point lead for up until about like you know eight to ten <laughs> minutes left, and then all of a sudden we won by like thirty. Yeah, I, I, like I, I would love to get up early, stay up this game, and the um. And the UT Martin game, the mm-hmm. same. Uh, get up, stay up, cruise to a victory. Let the let uh, let guys like Breon, let LJ get minutes, Ernest get minutes. Like th- that's how we should be playing these types of games. The goals for the starters should be to get those walk ons in the game come the end of the game. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, this it should be a should be a good three games that will be in store the next week and a half, and 
heading into ACC care business. Yeah, yeah, we need to take care of business heading into ACC play. Even if we lose the Tennessee game, I would if we keep it competitive. That's that's, to, our, that's our goal. I feel like that's our goal against these quad one teams. We just we need to show that we're keeping it competitive and we're not. We keep that. We sustain that level of energy that we come out with and that aggression every game, and we don't yeah, don't don't have the lapses like we did against uh, Ole, Ole Miss. Miss. Yeah, if we show people that we're that we are tough and resilient, have grit, and stick around against good quality Q one teams, it could it. Well, you never know. It might help us a little bit in March, but we'll see. It just helps us. I mean, like I said, build build towards ACC play because most of our opportunities for quad one, quad two games are going to come in ACC play. So they are sneaking one out right before it would look great. But we'll, I mean, yeah, we can only hope, I guess. We can only hope. But Tom, do you have anything else uh, before we wrap up here today? Uh, nope. I think I got everything out that I needed to talk about today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, well guys, uh, this has been, you know, another edition of the Howlin' Hoops podcast. As always, we appreciate everybody who tunes in and uh, listens to the podcast. We, we really appreciate it. As we continue on this year, we're, uh, we're looking forward to more packed basketball. Um, so guys, thank you again. And go pack.